Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. But welcome to our summer road trip. We have been tra- uh, tripping through the book of Mark, and it's been a lot of fun. Anybody been enjoying this series, getting something out of it? Uh, we've been covering the whole entire book, one chapter a weekend, or like today, we're covering two chapters. I'll be covering this one uh, in the first, then we got a guest speaker covering uh, the next one in the next service. But if you wouldn't mind, grab your Bibles and go to the New Testament. We're going to go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 13. And I'm not going to read the whole entire thing. Uh, I'm going to read to you a couple of verses here. Uh, verses thir- uh, 32 to 37. Uh, but let me just kind of set up what is uh, talking about what's happening in Mark chapter 13. Uh, Mark chapter 13, um, if you're to look at it, it talks about uh, stuff that's going to happen in the end times, signs of the end times. Uh, basically, four of the disciples are hanging out with Jesus and they ask him a question because Jesus is talking about different stuff that's going to happen. And they say, hey, how are we going to know when this is going to happen? How we know when this whole thing's going to wrap up? And so Jesus uh, begins to talk to them about that. But the first thing that Jesus does, which I love, is he doesn't really draw their attention immediately to um, the idea that that stuff is going to happen. Stuff like we're seeing in Houston, okay? It talks about wars and rumors of wars. It talks about natural disasters and things happening. And Jesus talks about how this is going to be the signs of the end of the age, all right? And obviously these things have been happening for a long time because theologically the end of days has been ever since Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. And so we're in the the last days ever since Jesus went into heaven. Uh, But what's going to happen is these things are going to accelerate and we're going to see more and more of this stuff happening, wars, rumors of wars, and, and natural disasters. But before Jesus draws their attention to that and says, hey guys, this is what you're going to see, he draws uh, their attention to himself. He draws their attention. He doesn't answer the question right off the bat and say, well, here's what you're going to see. He says, before I answer that, let me talk to you about this. Be, 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 be careful and be on watch because there's going to be false Jesuses or false messiahs that are going to rise. In other words, what he does is he takes their attention away from all of the natural stuff and all of the catastrophes, all the bad stuff that's going to happen, and he redirects their attention to him, okay? And so we're going to talk about that today. And so then he goes on and talks about all these things that are going to happen, but we get to verse, uh, verses 32 and 37, which we're going to read together today, and we're going to talk about this in Mark chapter 13, verse 32, it says, Now concerning that day or hour, talking about when he returns and all this stuff's taking place, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son except the Father. Verse 33, watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. And then he begins to give this analogy. Verse 34, it is like a man on a journey who left his house gave authority to his slaves or his servants, people that, that, that by choice now want to be there, gave each one his work and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. So there's the analogy, there's the story, there's the picture. He said it's like this, okay? This is what it's going to be like. Now verse 35, therefore you now, now he's bringing it to them, therefore be alert since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Otherwise, he might come suddenly and find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone. Okay, did you see that today? Therefore, be alert. 
There's the analogy. There it is. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is is awesome. I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would encourage us out of this passage. Although there's so much in this passage that talks about devastation, it talks about things that are going to happen, there is a focal point. And we see that focal point as, as your son, Jesus. And I pray this morning that we'd walk away from here encouraged and with hope in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 A few weeks ago, uh, me and my family, we were in Vegas. Uh, maybe you don't know our story, but we were in Vegas for about three and a half years prior to starting this church, and we were in ministry there. And I had some incredible years in ministry there, but when we moved back, our kids were really young. And so all the fun things that we were able to do in Vegas, such as the shows. Anybody ever been to Vegas? Okay, yeah. What stays in Vegas or what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Why are you raising your hand, right? In your Vegas, there's, there's shows to go to. One of our favorite shows that we go to was the Blue Man Show. And so we were going back to preach in a small town in Arizona, and the closest airport was the Las Vegas airport. So we tacked on a few extra days. We thought, let's go have fun. Let's take our kids to the Blue Man Show, because uh, they'd never seen us. One of our favorites. And so we get there. We set up the day. We buy the tickets. By the way, they are expensive. Dear Lord, help me. So we got tickets, and so uh, we wanted to plan the whole day around it because the tickets were expensive. And so we set the day. We knew the day. We knew the time. We knew when we were going. We knew which hotel it was at. We knew where the parking was at. We, we had already timed out, hey, if we leave at this time, how much time is it going to take us to get there? And all day long, uh, we did some other things, took the girls shopping and stuff like that. But all day long, we found ourselves doing this, checking the time. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, so we're looking at our watch. Why are we looking at our watch? Because we don't want to miss the show, Right? And so all day long. And then we find ourselves talking about it with anticipation. Man, are you guys excited for the Blue Man? Yeah, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And they would try to ask us questions about it. We're like, no, no, you just got to wait. It's going to be really cool. And, and then a little while later, we're checking our watch. And, and we prepared the whole entire day around this moment when we would go and see the Blue Man. We gave ourselves extra time because we got to park in the parking lot. We got to walk through the, the casinos. We got to get to the place. We got our tickets from, you know, the wheel call, all that. And we had it all set up. And the whole entire day, we are waiting with anticipation, okay? We're waiting with excitement. We're waiting knowing what is going to happen and having it. They don't know what the show is going to look like, but they know it's going to be epic, okay? Now, I haven't lived in Vegas for a long time, but can I just say this? The the traffic in Vegas is horrible, right? And and, in case you haven't, haven't noticed the heat we've been experiencing, okay, that's Vegas minus the humidity, right? Like it's hot. It's miserable. You'll walk through all this stuff. The traffic's bad, but you know, we didn't let any of those surrounding circumstances get to us, we stayed focused on what was happening that night. Are you with me? And we were excited. And, I, man, from the moment that show started, and the girls probably didn't even notice we were doing this, but the girls' eyes are just glued on the show. But we have our cameras, and we're like this, taking pictures of the kids. Come on, parents. Am I the only crazy parent out there? Right? You want to capture their first moment, their first experience of this thing on camera so you can share it with everybody. Look at them, and they're just like glued and mouths open. Like, oh, man, that's funny, and laughing and, and different stuff. And why? They were so into it. Okay? It was awesome. It was this moment we had anticipated, we had waited, we were focused on, and because of that, none of these exterior things bothered us. Okay? Here in Mark chapter 13, we need to understand the context of what's happening. The context of what's happening is this, is that the disciples want to know, hey, you're talking about when you're going to go and when you're going to return and, and, and some of those things and what that's going to look like, but how are we going to know when that's going to happen? And before he even answers the question about the, the, you know, the stuff that's going to take place on the earth, I love this. He draws their attention to him. He draws their focal point 
to Jesus, to himself. And after he gets their attention and focused on him, then he says, okay, now be ready because these are some of the things that are going to happen, okay? But then he brings their attention back to him at the very end when he says, hey, it's going to be like this. There's a master of a house, and the master of this house, man, the people love being there. The people want to be there. They are serving the master of this house, and they love being around the master. Now, I don't know about you, but I have two kids, and uh, my wife and I, were leaving for Italy for our 20-year anniversary tomorrow, and we're super pumped and excited. But my kids, I got to howl, are you excited I'm going to be gone, Pastor Steve? Man. Yeah, for me, yeah. And, 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 and here's the thing, though, on the way to church this morning, my kids are already kind of like, Dad, we're going to miss you. Dad, we're going to miss you. And it's like, oh, you love those feelings. Now, I don't know if they're saying that to make me feel good. They're probably going to party the whole entire time with Grandma. Um, but I know this because I've been on trips before. When I come back, not only when I come back, but when they know that the day is getting closer and the time is getting closer, they wait with anticipation. They wait with excitement. And when I walk through the doors, man, it is hugs. They tackle you at the door. And, of course, they want the gifts you brought back. Come on, somebody, right? But they're excited to have mom and dad back. That is the picture that's being painted here. A master leaves. He leaves his people in charge. He puts the doorkeeper up. And, and, and he says, now I want you to be alert and I want you to watch. Watch and be alert. But you've got to understand the context. The context is not watch and be alert of all of the bad things that are happening. It's not watch and be alert and be aware of all of the natural disasters and, and things that are coming against you. No, you're to watch and be alert with anticipation for the return of Jesus. Are you with me? And see, if we miss that, we read the whole entire passage wrong. And now we, we watch in fear. Oh man, is this, is this it? Is this, is, this, is this another sign? Is, is it about to wrap up? And now what else bad is going to happen? I mean, they're already talking about another hurricane ready to hit the U.S. Have you guys read that? It's like Irene or, or something like that. It's like, there's, you know, man, you don't have to look very far if you want to walk in fear. Okay? But here's the whole point of this passage. The whole point of this passage is you don't have to walk in fear. You've got to stay focused on Jesus. And when you stay focused on Jesus, you wait with hope, anticipation, and joy. That doesn't mean we're ignorant as believers and Christ's followers to what's taking place around the world. It just means that we have a different position than the rest of the world does. Are you with me? And so here in this passage, what Jesus does as he draws their attention to himself is he begins to give them the position they ought to take. Okay? Listen, as believers, our position is never one of fear. Our position is never one of doom. Our position is never one of anxiety. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean we don't experience those things in doses at times. Are you with me? Okay? We're still flesh and blood. Now, you guys are quiet today. Maybe I should have had Jeff preach the first service and me the second. That doesn't mean we don't experience those things from time to time. But listen, that's not our position. Our position is never one of those. A matter of fact, throughout all of Scripture, the Bible encourages us, fear not, don't be afraid, be anxious for nothing, right? Bring it to God in prayer, and let the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love this one. This one talks about worrying, Luke 12, 25. It says, can you add one cubit to your height by worrying? Clearly, I'm not a worrier. Right? 
it asks a rhetorical question. Can you honestly do anything productive by worrying? One of my old pastors used to compare worrying to a rocking chair. A rocking chair, it moves back and forth, but you don't get anywhere. Right? That's worry. Man, it creates a lot of emotion, a lot of movement inside of you, but you ain't productive, you're not moving anywhere. Our position is not one of worry, fear, anxiety. Our position is one of hope and love and mercy and grace and anticipation and joy. Why? Because we're focused on Jesus, not on all the stuff that's happening around us. And that's what I love about what I'm hearing from the reports of my pastor friends in Houston. Because if you watch the news and if you're there, it is bad. As a matter of fact, if you're there, it's way worse than what the news is showing. It's bad. It, it, it's huge. I mean, people are going to be just displaced, and they're not going to have homes to go back to. But you don't hear the church speaking doom and gloom. You hear the church speaking life. You hear the church speaking hope. You hear the church speaking, we're going to rise above, and we're going to make it. Why? Because their focus is on Jesus. And so when the disciples ask this question, he brings their focus and their attention on him. And so you've got to see the context and hear what it says. We read it this morning. Watch and be alert. The New International Version reads this way. It reads, be on guard, be alert. But I love the way the New King James Version says it. It says, take heed, watch, and pray. Take heed, watch, and pray. Jesus gives them the position that we all need to take no matter what we're walking through in life. So here's the key, okay? The key is not that there's stuff happening around them, the natural disasters. The key is not the end of, listen, the reality is this, is whether it's big global catastrophes and, and, and wars happening globally, or whether it's just something that's happening locally right here in your life. The reality is, is we're gonna walk through difficult times as long as we're walking this earth. Are you with me? It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. You're still going to walk through difficult times. It doesn't matter how magnificent your marriage is. You're still going to walk through difficult times. It doesn't matter if you have angelic children like mine, but you're still going to walk through difficult times. It's going to happen. You're going to face difficulties within the church, with outside of the church. Locally, internally, globally, nationally. And we're going to walk through difficult times. That's not the point. The point is this. Here's our position as believers, no matter what we're walking through. Because our focus is not on what we're walking through. Our focus is on Jesus. Are you with me this morning? And so because of that, he says this. He says, take heed. Be alert. Or watch. And the last one, pray. So let me just break these down for you real quickly. Can I do that this morning? All right. And then you can, you can stay for the next one and be more lively. Amen. Hallelujah. Our position as Christ's followers. Number one, take heed. What does this word take heed mean? It means to see, discern, or be aware. To see, discern, or be aware. Now, I'll be honest with you, I sometimes try to bring in the original text, like the Hebrew and the Greek. Hebrew, you know, for the Old Testament, Greek for the New Testament. But I couldn't pronounce this one. And so I'm like, forget it. I'll just give them. They're not going to remember that anyway. They'll think I'm really smart for a minute, and then they'll just remember that, you know, what it means, right? This is what it means. To take heed means to see, discern, or be aware. Now, listen to me. As believers, okay, this is what Jesus is saying. Take heed. See 
discern and be aware, okay? What should we do? We need to understand what's happening in our culture, right? We're, we're not to be ignorant and hiding under a rock somewhere and not know what's going on, okay? Right? We, we, we should be aware, and that even means pop culture. I'm so thankful for teenagers right now, because if not, I would be on TMZ trying to figure things out. Come on, somebody, right? But I just hang out with my daughters for about 15 minutes. I know the newest song that came out. I know what the song's about. I know what's happening here and happening there. I'm like, okay, I got enough knowledge now, right? Just hang out with some teenagers. We should be aware of what's happening in our culture, in our society, and not be ignorant of it. That's what I love about Canvas Church. Canvas Church isn't so focused on, on what we're doing in this little theater. Man, we are connected with something far greater, something far bigger, and, and something so we can give to things that are happening around the world. We can tap into that. We, as believers, need to be aware. We need to see. We need to discern. We need to be aware of what's happening in our culture. Throw on some news. I, I downloaded the news app, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because every five seconds is going off with something, right? And it's never like joyful news, right? It's like, hey, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. You're just like, oh, my God. I'm not supposed to be in fear, right? But, you know, take 15 minutes. Watch the news. Know what's going on in the world. Read, read a news. Do we even have newspapers anymore? Have it downloaded to your phone. Whatever. Just stay up. That is our responsibility as believers. So that when we get to the workplace and people are talking, we're not like, oh, what, what's going on? No. The reason we need to know and be in the know is so we have a connection point with people so that we can now interject hope. Are you with me? Amen. We got to be in the know. We got to take heed. We got to discern. We got to know what's going on in our world because that is our connection point. Because the thing, listen to me, it's our position. The world takes a position of fear. We take a position of hope. But if we don't know what's causing their position of fear, we can't bring the hope. Are you with me? Okay. But not just discern, not just, not just see and discern what's happening out there. Here's what we need to do. We need to be spiritually in tune. We need to discern and know the spiritual times, the hour, what's taking place. What is God doing now? Are you with me? We need to be in the Word. We need to be in a, in a place of where we're hearing from God, discerning, what are you doing in the church? If the church is the hope of the world, which I believe it is, if it's the answer that people are looking for, even if they don't realize it is, uh, we need to know what God's doing, not just in Canvas Church. Oh, we're having a barbecue today. Great. No, I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about what is God doing right now through this community. It's one of life and hope. Are you with me this morning? And so Jesus says, hey guys, I want you to take heed. I want you to be aware. I want you to, I want you to know and discern. Really, the Bible paints a picture, and here we see it in this again, that we're just stewards of what he left us. We're just watching over this thing. We're just, we're just a part of a bigger plan, right? The analogy is, is the master left and left us in charge, okay? So what are we doing? We're stewarding something that is not ours. Has anybody ever borrowed somebody's car before? Nobody? All right, does, do you have your license? <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, I honestly do not like borrowing people's cars, 
because I feel like there's this curse on me <laughs> that when I borrow somebody else's car, something goes wrong with it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like the last thing you want to have happen, but it happens, right? It's, it could be a brand new car. It could have 10 miles on it, right? And you borrow it, and it breaks down alongside the road. And you're like, what? What's happening? Oh, I forgot to tell you the gas gauge is not working, and it's being recalled. And by the way, it's, it's a hybrid, and so if it runs out of gas, it costs a lot of money to reset it, Chad. Right? But those kind of things. And so I, but here's the thing. When you borrow somebody else's stuff, Man, you are extra careful with that. Are you with me? Like, you, you, you take care of it. It's like your child closes the door, and you're like, don't slam the door, right? And they closed it real gently. But you're like, hey, what are you doing? No, you cannot eat that in here, right? You want to return this thing pristine, right? And it's not from a position of fear. It's a position of, I want to be able to borrow the car again. Come on, somebody, right? This was left to us. We are stewarding this. Listen, I, I, might, I might be the lead pastor of Canvas Church right now, but Canvas Church is not mine. Canvas Church belongs to him. And he selected me for a moment of time to be the pastor and to help, help steward this thing. But it doesn't belong to me. When people have been, listen, I, you know, when people have been coming to Canvas Church, like, hey, man, I love your church. I'm like, my church? It's our church, right? This isn't my church. It's his church. It's our church. We're just stewarding this thing. And so he says, hey, you need to be aware of what I'm doing while I am stewarding it. We, we, we've got to take heed, he says. The second thing he says is, is watch, watch, watch. This word means to be sleepless or to be awake. To be sleepless or to be awake. Now, I see some people yawning. I'm not going to point anybody out. Um, <laughs> let's be honest. Like, like, being tired is no fun, Right? Like, it's the worst feeling ever. Like, I just want to go to sleep, okay? Now, notice he's saying this, but he's not talking about natural sleep. He's talking about spiritual sleep. When he says, I want you to watch, he's talking about not being spiritually dull, not being, not being spiritually asleep, okay? But to be so in tune with what's going on and not only be in tune, the only way you can be in tune is if you have a tune-up right? Like things happen, life happens, distractions, you know, occur, whatever. But when he says, I want you to watch, what he's saying is, I want you to make sure you're in, you're in tune. I want you to make sure that, that you're spiritually sharp and that you are not asleep. Not having your spiritual senses dulled. Now, now Galatians talks about this. And I'm going to read you one out of Ephesians here in just a minute. But the reality is this, is that when, when we are on this spiritual journey, we're going to encounter resistance, okay? Now, I'm not talking even about bad things. I'm just talking about life, right? Life is contrary to living spiritually. So many things are coming at us, and it just eventually begins to dull you. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens the countenance of another friend. The, 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 the word picture, the analogy is this. It's of a knife being sharpened. And the only way a knife gets sharp is by coming in contact with a metal that's stronger than itself. Are you with me this morning? That's why when you use a knife to cut tomatoes or lettuce or cut the cheese, no joke, 
when you use that knife to do those things, eventually it becomes dull. Why? Because it's encountering something softer than itself, and it begins to dull it. And the only way to sharpen that knife is to then put it in contact with a metal or a stone stronger than itself. This is the picture that the Bible gives us. Don't be asleep. What it's saying is be spiritually sharp, and the only way you're going to be spiritually sharp is by coming in contact with people that are further along in the journey than you, that are sharper than you, okay? And that's how you do it, okay? Because see, what happens is if we're just always giving out and always giving out and always giving out and always giving out and always giving out, we end up getting dull. Or if we're not in the presence of God and we're not in church or we're not in a small group or we're not in a position or a place of learning, I put myself at least three times a month, I put myself in an intentional position of learning. Whether it's learning as a leader or whether it's learning biblical truths. Okay, now I'm talking about like a conference or a, or, or a connection point with other pastors. But beyond that, weekly, I'm, I'm listening to other people preach and other podcasts. Why? Because there's a whole lot of people out there that are a lot stronger, smarter, and sharper than me. And the only way I get sharp is by coming in contact with them. That's why we have this thing called small groups. Launching next week. Because we learned a biblical truth. Small groups is not just a good idea to connect people and keep them in the church. Small groups is a God idea discovered in Scripture that the only way that we sharpen ourselves is by coming in contact with other believers that are on the same journey but maybe a little bit further ahead of us. Are you with me? It's how we get sharp. It's how we grow. It's how we learn. And so when he says here, hey, I, I want you to watch, he's saying don't be asleep, uh, don't, don't be asleep, but be awake. He's talking about being spiritually in tuned and spiritually sharp. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14 says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Why is he saying this? He's saying this because the unfruitful works of darkness will dull you spiritually. Are you with me? Will cause you to go asleep. Instead, here's what we ought to do. We, rather, than, rather than being in fellowship, now I'm not talking about your friend is an unsafe person and you shouldn't hang out with them. Okay? Please, you need to go hang out with them. You need to help them. You need to love on them. You need to show the grace of mercy of Jesus through your life to them. Are you with me today? Okay. But it's saying don't, don't, don't be so connected that they are impacting you, but you need to impact them, expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done uh, by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, here it is again, same words used different passage awake you who sleep arise from the dead and christ will give you light don't be asleep you need to watch first thing here's our position as believers remember the context 
Man, the context is a position of excitement. Man, Jesus is returning. Man, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be glorious. I know there's things happening around us, but my focus is on Jesus. And so here's my position. I'm going to take heed. I'm going to know and discern what's happening. But I'm also going to be watchful. I'm going to be one that's spiritually awake and not asleep. I'm going to be one that's sharpening my spiritual senses. And then lastly, he says, pray. Pray. Take heed. Watch. Pray. Now, there's many different types of prayer in the Bible, okay? This specific word here, when it says pray, it's talking about the word supplicate, okay? And this is the definition of the word supplicate, to ask or beg for something earnestly and humbly to worship. That's what the word means. Let me read it to you again. To ask or beg for something earnestly and humbly and to worship. So what is he talking about here? We understand take heed. We understand we got to watch. But, but what does he mean by here's what I want you to do? I want you to beg. I want you to ask earnestly. And I want you to ask humbly. And I want you to remain in this position of worship. Once again, the focus is Jesus. The focus is, is that we are actually worshiping Jesus and not only be earnestly expecting with excitement his return one day, but we're actually asking him to come now. We're actually saying that, that, hey, as it is in heaven, so be it here on earth right now. Whether that's actually Jesus returns, manifest, you know, and here he is coming back and returning. The sec- we see it in Scripture as a second coming. Or whether it's us asking, God, would you manifest your presence right now in this circumstance and in this situation? Bring healing, bring hope, bring restoration, bring joy, bring forgiveness. We're asking for his presence to come, and we're earnestly asking. We're begging, we're beseeching, we're longing, we're looking with anticipation anticipation and excitement. Therefore, we can continue because the the definition continues on to say it's a place of worship. Worship is not about what, what, what about us. Worship is about him. Amen. Amen. So here he says, here is your position as believers. Don't worry about when this thing all wraps up. He said it right here. No one knows. Only the Father, only God himself knows. What you need to be focused on is not looking for signs of when I'm going to return. Don't be so focused on things that are happening. Be be in the know. Understand what's happening, but don't be focused on those. You need to be focused on me. And here's how you can stay focused on me. Take heed. Watch and pray. And if we have that position as believers, listen to me now, we bring hope to a world that so desperately needs it. We bring answers. Now, I just made that global world. You bring hope to your family that needs it. You, you, you bring hope to your neighbor that needs it. You bring hope to your coworker that needs it. Because we have a position, not of fear, not of anxiety, not of hopelessness, but we have a position of faith, of joy, of life, and anticipation, and excitement, because we are focused on Jesus Christ, for he is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Our position as believers, we need to take heed, we need to watch, and we need to pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you that your word is awesome. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.